Paula. How are we doing here? We're doing great. We have a great <laughs> guest. <laughs> and we'll start introducing him. He's John Seeley, renowned life coach and best-selling author of Get Unstuck. He holds a master's degree in psychology and has spent the last 15 years researching and helping people all over the globe to identify key issues in their lives that are causing them to feel stuck. His keen intuitive insight combined with the latest psychological research enables John to provide individuals with the tools they need to reclaim the life they were meant to live. Today, we'll be talking about some tools to help our listeners break free and get unstuck in their lives, and certainly must be a tall order sometimes, so we'll be (laughs) discussing all of this. You are now listening to the International Taz and Paula Show, and I'm Paula. And I'm Taz. Well, John Seeley says, restart your life. All right. John, what an incredible gift to give someone else to unstick the stuck in our situations and break free. Wow, it could sound a bit like a dance for life maybe, huh? (laughs) Let's loosen up the glue. So John holds an undergraduate degree in business and a master's degree in psychology, and he has overcome many obstacles to make his dreams come true. And today he spends much of his time showing others how to do the same. Well, we certainly all want to reach our goals. However, it does seem awkward at times, and it can certainly elude us But today we have the best of the best in coaches with us right here. John Seeley, President and CEO of Blue Moon Wonders and Heart Fire Seminars, specialize in educational and personal growth workshops and products. And John has lived and worked all over the country for Fortune 500 companies. Uh, John has been involved in personal growth and coaching since since 1990. He works with individuals as well as business executives who have a commitment to making positive changes and awakening a great sense of purpose and fulfillment in their lives and the life of their companies, too. John Seeley, you certainly are a catalyst for supporting others for such positive change. We're so delighted to have you with us. Welcome, Hi, John. Oh, dear. Just a minute, maybe. He t- he got turned off here. Just a minute. Oh, uh. oh John, there you are you there? Okay. I'm here. Okay. Great. Well, once again, so, thanks, thanks for uh, having me on the show. <laughs> I, I look forward to our discussion because um, I found so many people that um, uh, have been stuck, and particularly recently um, with the uh, – uh, economic turmoil that's been going on, um, that uh, they don't realize that they have the power that they can get unstuck now. They don't have to wait for the country to change. Wow. I would, well, I would know, think John, that long. Go ahead. Oh, well, I was going to say, you know what? You have your books, Get Unstuck, The Simple Guide to Restarting Your Life, and Get Unstuck, The Companion Workbook, are showing people the steps to uh, to take to get their lives moving and create the life they really want. And you know, John, you grew up in the Midwest and was the youngest of five siblings. What did that teach you about getting unstuck? Well, the good news is, I, being the youngest, I learned from a lot of the mistakes that um, that the older kids made um, because I didn't have to make those. I, I, I had a more pleasant life. Uh, I didn't have to get grounded as often because they already did something, and I go, oh, don't do that because look what happens. 
So uh, it, it, this is the kind of thing that I, I'm trying to teach through my work uh, because I've certainly been stuck in my life. And, uh, and, and frankly, it's not that I never get stuck again. I just get unstuck much faster than I used to. And that's the key. It's, it, we always get stuck. No matter how good you are, uh, you'll, you'll get stuck in, in one part of, your, part of your life or not. And usually it's because there's something old that hasn't been dealt with that's coming up. And then you get to go, oh, I guess here's another opportunity for me to look at something. And, you know, you'll notice a difference when you're not moving forward. It's uncomfortable. So if you're feeling uncomfortable, guess what? There's some part of you that's stuck. Well, I bet some people don't even know they're stuck. Oh, that's true. In fact, um, uh, in my workshop, sometimes I have to do uh, the um, – well, I'll give you a quick example. I, I did it one time when I raised, I, I raised my hand up and I said, how many here have ever been stuck? And and no one, no one raised their hand. I'm thinking, oh, my God, what kind of audience did I, did I get? And so I said, okay, great. And I went to the board and I drew a map out on the board. I said, what's this? And they said, oh, that's Africa. I said, yeah, yeah. And I drew little triangles on it. And they go, what's that? Oh, the pyramids. Yeah, yeah. And then I drew a little squiggy line next to it. I said, what's that? And they said, uh, yeah, denial. I said, yeah, denial. And I sp- you know, spelled denial, not denial. And they got the joke that they were in denial that they never had problems. And all of a sudden it cracked everybody up and loosened up and said, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right, I do have a problem, and so we're able to work at that. And that's the key. You have to admit you have a problem or you can't fix it. Well, when did you start um, coaching or decide to become a coach? The funny thing is I've been coaching my friends my whole life. Um, I was the kind of person that people would come to and ask for advice, and uh, so I, I kind of developed it naturally. And, again, part of it was, that uh, idea of knowing how to to deal with problems, and uh, I, I, that's really kind of what I do is I'm a problem solver, and uh, and then I professionally began doing this uh, almost 20 years ago, and uh, I realized that um, I had gone through uh, a, a lot of trauma in my life, where uh, I had um, I, I just want to check are you still there? Yeah, we're still here. Okay, yeah, making sure you know on these phones. You, it's like, am I still coming? Uh, Sounds like you have an incoming call. <clears throat> what I wanted to do is, I've been stuck in my life. Paula, he's cutting out. Yeah. Oh. John, are you still there? He shows that he's there, but we can't hear him. Oh, he hung up. He'll probably call back in. Okay. Wow. Well, you know, we, we do get stuck in our lives. And, you know, when there's people that, that um, you know, if, if we're trying to go forward, there are some people that don't want to go forward, too. You know? <laughs> yeah, there's some people that don't mind being stuck, I guess. Just, uh... Yeah, yeah. So what do you, let's find out what he does about that. Okay, I'm back. Uh, Sorry, I don't oh. know where we went, but there I was talking, and suddenly I realized I really wasn't talking to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were. Well, I, I was just uh, talking to Paula. I said, you know, sometimes people are, uh, you know, they kind of try to go forward in their life, and there's people in their in their lives that are stuck and don't want to go forward. So um, is there a way to work around that? Well, yeah, um, there's, there's different things, and it depends on the degree. It's like when you make changes, here, here's the benefit. When you make changes, other people will have to respond differently to you. 
because a lot of times I, I get clients that will come to me and say, if I could change my husband, if I change my, da- my, daughter, my, my son or my daughter, it's like, no, you can't change anyone else. You've got to, first of all, get that really clear in your head. The good news is, though, as you change, the people around you will respond differently, and therefore they appear to change. And so um, the best thing you can do is, uh, and that's what we work on, work on yourself, work on your own problems, whatever the issue is, because whatever issue is coming up, it's coming up for you to heal. If you're upset with somebody because they're being selfish, there's a part of you that's selfish that's coming up to heal. Because if you, if you didn't re- relate to that, it wouldn't bother you. And also it's like if, if, you are, uh, if someone criticizes you for something, if you didn't actually believe that in part they're tr- that's true, it wouldn't bother you. If someone come up and said, I think you're really y- yellow, and of course you're not, um, you're going to go, oh, well, they just have a perception problem. And if they came up and said, I think you're really stupid, well, you can also say, I think they have a perception problem. So it's all about you can't change them, but you change yourself, and then they will respond differently. Because here's the thing. We all are energy, and we put out energy to the world. And if you're getting a lot of the same people, same kind of people that come to you, whether it's critical people or it's uh, people that uh, let you down a lot, or all the, there's all different problems. It's not about them. It's about you. There's an issue that you can deal with that will then change that energy that you're sending out, and then the people that are drawn to you will no longer have that, or they'll change. Sometimes we refer that to that as our shadow self. We can see our shadow self by uh, things that bother us uh, of other people. Exactly, because it's, it's often um, it's difficult to see your own eyebrows, and so you need to see your blind spots through seeing it in someone else first, and that's why uh, it's, it's a great gift, and most people don't take it that way. They take it, look at that jerk. And then they have to go, oh, my God, that's actually what I am sometimes or, you know, what I used to be or, or a part of me that's still there that I haven't healed, whatever. And, yeah, exactly, healing your shadow side but embracing it first. You do, if you, again, denial doesn't work. This is one of the times when you want to just look at it and say, huh, I guess there's a part of me that's like that. Let's look at that and what can I do about it? And if you come from that standpoint, you're not feeling defensive, you're not judging it, you're just doing it. But oftentimes we judge it. And then we make ourselves bad for having that trait. John, is there a particular story in your life that you can uh, let us know, like how you got started in supporting others in this way? Well, um, okay, I had a bad decade. And um, uh, I'll give you a a short example of it. Um, It started with a bad year, and um, I had gotten fired from uh, not one but two jobs. Um, in fact, uh, did I come up with three by that time? Yes, I got fired by a third time that time. And this is all within a year. And um, and then uh, as things were, I was, I was still, still being positive, still thinking, oh, okay, I'll find another job, I'll work on it. And, um, and then I didn't realize that was a sign because I was pretty unenlightened at the moment. Um, but then, uh, unfortunately, uh, my best friend committed suicide, and I was the one that found him, and that really tipped my world upside down. And then my dog died about a week later, and then my fiance left me, and then I lost yet another job. And so it was a kind of a bad year, and I, I didn't realize. 
Yeah, I didn't realize what was happening. In fact, years later, I used to tell that story to people to cheer them up there to be going, oh, geez, my life's not so bad compared to yours. And, uh, of course, at, uh, at some point, I actually heard someone else's story, which made that one look like, hey, that wasn't so bad. Um, but the point is, it, it, it kept me in a downward spiral of, of negativity, of, of um, feeling that uh, life wasn't fair, and, uh, you know, and look at what happened to me. I was in a victim role. And, uh, and then <clears throat> yeah, that progressed through the decade, and then more trauma happened, and uh, my mom passed away was really the biggest. And, uh, and that was like the tipping point where I couldn't take it anymore. It's like I finally realized I was in so much emotional pain, I couldn't really function. And so that's when I actually reached out for help. I got professional help. I got um, uh, psychologists um, and well, halfway through the second session with the first, uh, um, he was a uh, he had an MFT degree. Um, he said, "I think you're over my head." And that's not really what a patient wants to hear. Uh, like you're you're so screwed up, I can't help you. And so um, I think that uh, that's the kind of thing that if um, if you can uh, do something about it, do it. So I found some PhD people that were really good, really helped me. And then I also uh, stumbled into. Um, Barbara DeAngelis' work and other personal growth work. And frankly, once I realized that there was all this information out there on how you can live life better, I'm like, oh, I couldn't get enough of it. So I was reading at least five personal development books a week. Um, I just couldn't couldn't stop. And, I, and then I would go to the workshops of the authors, and I would on and on, and I, I'd learned so much, and I, my life transformed amazingly so. And then I started helping other people, and then I realized, wow, there's really a need for this because so many people, you know, we're, we're just not taught this kind of information. Um, you know, and this is really the first generation that's got this information of this is how you can make life work. And it's still in the dark for most people. They, they still don't know about this. So that's my goal is to really bring this information to the forefront so that uh, it can help a lot more people and, and change the world. Plus, plus um, you work with businesses and so do you go to groups of people in a business and, and help them as a group? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was in business for 30 years, and um, I mean, technically I'm still in a business. I have my own business that I run, which is to, to help people. Um, but yeah, I, I go to, to to businesses. I've actually even gone into prisons. Um, but but generally, if I go into a corporation, for instance, or even a small business, um, usually I work with, I actually, I try to do the the whole employees for at least a couple hours. Uh, and then sometimes I'll do um, just the executives after that. But the, the point is, um, I try to get people to understand uh, one of the biggest things that they don't get is that uh, in each department, usually there's different personality types. And if you, and, and this was a mistake I had made for most of my life until I got into this work, is that I thought everybody thought like I did. And, and then I would get upset when they, for, for whatever reason, didn't behave like I would have behaved. Like, well, why is that happening? Why wouldn't they normally do this? Because of, of course you would do that. And I realized later that, wow, it's because they have a different personality type and they don't think the same way. And so to educate people just in that dynamic is amazing. Because once you realize how they, they think differently and then what they like and what they don't like, all of a sudden you can communicate better and therefore departments can communicate better. So I do this with businesses all the time because um, the CEOs are are one type of personality and, and if they don't get the other three personalities, the, these are the basic types, the other three personalities that are in their company, they will not get the results they want either. 
And so once they get that, and you know, that's management needs to know that, and then, of course, the other departments need to know that to interact with each department, then all of a sudden you're getting productivity like you wouldn't believe. And all of a sudden the bottom line's going up and everybody's happier and, you know, there's less turnover. And that's the kind of, you know, thing companies need. And so many these days think that employees are disposable. And they're finding out the reality is, no, it costs a lot of money to replace them and to retrain the new people and to keep those people. And so um, once they, they get this information, and that's just a small part of it. I, I help design on a lot of other things. It's, it's really individual depending on the company's needs. But once they just get some of that information, all of a sudden the, the work life improves, the, the productivity improves, the morale improves, and you know everybody's much happier and, and there's more money to be shared. So how can you beat that? So when you go into businesses, do you ever get the crossed arm? You know, yeah, right. Like, oh, absolutely. I don't think so. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, I, and I tell people this is this is really easy to understand because you know, 30, 40 years ago, I would have been one of those people with the crossed arms. I would have been one of, you know, people thinking, "Oh, this is just a lot of hooey." But I prove it to them um, by you know doing some of these processes with them that all of a sudden they realize. Wow, it works, and I tell people it's like you don't have to believe in the law of gravity, but just jump up and down and tell me if you're going to stay up in the air or not. It, it works, and the stuff I teach, it works, and I'll prove it to you. We'll do it and watch it work, and then they go, oh. So yeah, I, I stand behind what I say. In fact, I've experienced everything that I teach. So it's not that I read about it in a book and thought, wow, that's a great theory. It's no, I've actually done it. I've seen it. I've seen it happen many times, and therefore, if I'm telling you this is the way something works, it works. Well, uh, let me share something with you. Uh, years ago, I worked for AT&T, and the uh, CEO brought in someone that was teaching exactly what you're talking about. And it really helped all of us. But then it got out in the newspapers that she was doing woo-woo stuff. It was a female CEO. And uh, she was put down for spending money on this, so it was like put under the carpet. And as employees, we really saw the benefit of it. Yeah, so, you know, the the public still has a, a a problem with the perception of anything that they don't they don't have is like proven. It's been doing it for a hundred years, that kind of thing. And most people have to realize, and and basically, they get an introduction, and that's actually what the first book I wrote was was based on. It's meant to be an introduction to this kind of work. Uh, that's why it's called Get Unstuck. It's like, oh, it's it's something that everybody realizes sooner or later that they are stuck, and they go, oh. Well, yeah, I want to get unstuck, and uh, I'll tell you the truth. I wrote the book under a completely different title, and it was only after I got done with it that I realized, well, no one's going to buy that book because of the title. And the title was uh, Take the First Step, which I thought still pretty good title. I even envisioned um, the uh, the cover that would have a, a foot that was you know pulling itself out of the sand and you know moving forward. I thought, yeah, that's that's a good illustration. And then the subtitle was how to begin emotional healing. I thought, oh, no one's going to admit that they need emotional healing because then they think, oh, that's that's the icky stuff. So instead, uh, you know, the simple guide to restart your life, and that actually is very accurate because the key is it it really is simple. It's not necessarily easy, but it's simple. And that's that's part of it is the way I've explained it. I decided to write the book and make it as as easy to understand, easy to use as possible. I wrote it kind of as a mini workbook. Um, that's why I created the workbook because people really need um, to have the ability to actually put all the stuff down, and usually they can't fit it in the in the book form. But um, the idea is give information, and then 
ask questions in the back of each chapter that would make it relate to their per, their particular life so they are taking it from being knowledge to wisdom. They're actually making it so it's usable to them specifically. And that's what I think is so important. Once you do that, because I know a lot of people have what I call shelf help. Uh, they've got a bunch of books on the shelf that they really never read or never really got through. And I made my book small because um, it's only 124 pages. It gets you through the topics and gives you enough information to make progress, but you don't have to have the whole detailed explanation of how it works. You just do it. It works. Well, it's really great that you do it in a workbook form that, that it acts as a tool, the book itself. Yeah, I, I found it useful. I mean, um, we, we wrote a, a kid's book, too. And uh, it's the same format, but we added a story in each chapter that illustrates the concept of the chapter. And it itself has different questions at the end of each chapter, plus the other ones. And it's meant to be read with the adult reading it. And even if the adult didn't know this information when they started, they'll get it through reading the book with the child. And then, like one of the questions at the end of each chapter is, uh, to the adult, how did you learn this lesson tell your child or tell the child if it's a teacher uh, because oftentimes it's so powerful when someone can say well how did you go through it because I don't know if you know I grew up uh, we didn't have a lot of uh, uh, here's a son here's how it works I didn't get uh, really any of that um, about life and and therefore I didn't know how my dad learned or my mom learned any of the lessons that uh, I've now learned and that's kind of what I'm trying to do here is I'm trying to impart Here's how it works, and therefore, maybe you don't have to learn the same lesson I did. Maybe you don't have to go through so much, so much pain and suffering. And uh, and that's another thing for people. Um, a lot of times, they're suffering because they think that their life should be different than it is. And that's you know that's that's where you suffer. What, if you want uh, not to suffer, you can realize well, life can be painful, and it's not maybe what you want, but if you accept that's the way it is and say, and now, what can I learn from this and then where can I go from here? Those are much more powerful uh, thoughts to have and there's no suffering involved. I, I know you've worked with prisoners. Have you worked, because I'm, we want to ask you a question about that, but before that, have you worked with teachers um, with this line of work? I don't know if, how they could you know, weave it into... They're teaching with students. Have you worked with teachers? Um, not in the as much as I'd like to. And the problem is, um, I've I've done a little bit, and I've done a little on the college level because that's a little bit more flexible. But the route is, yeah, this information if we can impart it to the kids, and I've done actually I've done it in high schools too. Uh, if, if you can do it, the earlier the better. But the reality is, high school is a good place for it. Um, the, the kids' book was actually written for pre-high school people. Um, and the high school, I was actually using the adult book. Um, but to work with the teachers, once the teachers get the concept, they love it, and they say, yeah, boy, if my kids could get this stuff. Because I'll give you an example. In, in uh, the high schools, um, I remember doing uh, you know all the different classes, uh, freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, and I could tell the great differences in each class. And like one of the things I had in one of the chapters, it talks about setting goals, and I talk about setting SMART goals. And so I had uh, the students in each class set a goal, any goal that they wanted, and, and it had to be a SMART goal, which meant it, it was specific, it was measurable, it was appropriate, it was realistic, and there was a sense of time. 
And there were kids in there who had never set a goal in their lives. And frankly, I've met adults who've never set it. They just kind of live without setting any you know, proactive intention of here's what I want to create. And it's a very empowering thing when they realize, you mean I can set this and then I can actually make this happen? Like, yeah. And and especially when I tell people that your goal only has to be 50% believable. They're like, really? I go, yeah, because your your mind can expand. You just have to let it go a little bit. You you can create something that's bigger than you think, but you got to just believe that you can. And first, let's, let's see what we can paint and what's believable to you. Because I tell people they have a goodness ceiling because – there's actually so much good you can take, and then after that, you feel really uncomfortable. And that's why most lottery winners actually lose all their money within five years. Uh, they have a goodness ceiling that they way surpassed, and therefore they have to sabotage themselves, give the money away, lose it, whatever, until they get back to that zone that was comfortable. That's why when, when you set these goals, we want to expand your comfort zone, but in smaller pieces so that you can then be comfortable. You learn to expand that, so then, okay, now I'm comfortable with this, and then now I can expand it again, and okay, now I'm comfortable with that and do it in increments, and that way you can end up being rich and be happy and keep it. I know. I've known some people that have put up, like, vision boards, and and, and that's part of their goal setting. But it's, sometimes it's, like, so much out there, it's almost like you sabotage yourself because it's too far out there. They're, they're not doing it in small steps. Right. In fact, um, I've got a, a process that I talk about. It's called the ADGR process. And what that is, it's an absolute daily goal with reward. And what I tell people to do is you set your goals, and I usually have people set at least a six-month to a one-year goal um, so that you can be reasonable. We can set longer goals five years and ten years down the road if we want. But first, let's start with something that's, you know, we can see the end of the tunnel and we can figure out where we're going. But then we break that down. Let's say that you want to get into a certain kind of physical condition, physical shape. You know, maybe you want to run a marathon. But, okay, we're going to break that all the way down. To the absolute daily goal for the day is I want to do one sit-up. That's it. Your absolute daily goal is something you can accomplish in one minute or less. Now, maybe you could do five sit-ups in a minute. Great. That's your, that's your absolute daily goal. The reason we're doing this is because we're retraining your subconscious mind. Because what you have to realize is, and, and here's how you can tell if you're stuck, if you have a conscious goal that you really want to create something and you haven't really made any progress on it for at least six months, there's another part of you that does not want to create that goal. In fact, it wants something different. Whatever it wants is what you have because it's winning. You just look at your results to see what's going on. And I tell people, imagine it's like two people are in a canoe and they're paddling in different directions. And wouldn't it be great if you get both people paddling in the same direction? Well, that's what we do with this. Basically, we're retraining your subconscious mind because your subconscious mind hears when you set anything uh, as an intention and, and what I call that is that's that's you declare your word like I'm going to get in shape or I'm going to be on time or I'm going to make sure I call everybody back or whatever it is about your word you, you're giving your word to people and there are some people that don't ever give their word because that way they won't break it and, and that actually you can't create anything if you never give your word so let's say that you gave your word that you will uh, you, and, and I can prove to people that they've broken their word in the last 24 hours I've never had anybody that I mean, actually, I have a, people that didn't break their word for three days, but they've never made it a week. Uh, there's always something that happens. And the thing is, your subconscious mind listens to every time you do that. And therefore, it it loses confidence because it goes, no, they said they'd do that, but they didn't do that last time. They didn't do that the last hundred times. So no, we're not even going to help them. So the absolute daily goal will change that because what you're doing is you're saying, 
I'm going to do my, let's say, five sit-ups. Um, and and I, I give people a couple days off. So let's say Monday through Friday, I'm going to do my five sit-ups um, sometime during the day. And more importantly, I'm also going to add a reward on that, a reward. And the, the thing is, most people have the hardest problem with the rewards. And I tell people it should be something that would be something you really enjoy. Like I'll listen to my favorite CD or I'll go walk in the park or I'll call my friend for, for five minutes, something that is a nice, reasonable reward for what you did. And so many people have a harder time rewarding themselves. And I tell them, here's the reason you need to do this. 80% of your subconscious was programmed in your mind like a hard drive in a computer by the time you were eight years old and another 15% by the time you're 18, and therefore you only have 5% left for the rest of your life. The good news is that 5% can reprogram the other part. But the point is, 80% of the time, you're being run by an 8-year-old. And 8-year-olds are not known to wait for the rewards for what they do. So you do something, you give it a reward. You are now getting your subconscious mind to work with you. And here's the real magic. It doesn't know size of goals. It just knows you set a goal, you did it. You set a goal, you did it. You set a goal, you did it. You do a bunch of those, and it's got a lot of experience, and, oh, we're going to keep our word. We're going to do this. Okay. And now, now you set the big goals, and guess what? It's going to help you do those, too, because it doesn't know size. It's going, oh, sure, you know, we're doing this one just like we did that one. And so that's the cool thing. You can really create some great things by doing this very simple little process. And most people, once they hear it, they go, yes, I want to start doing that. Because that's what we talked about, breaking it down. You can't break it down any smaller. It's like 11.59 at night. You just remembered you didn't do it. Get on the floor, do your five sit-ups, you're done. You can give yourself the reward the next day. Uh, you talk about multiple personality disorders. Is this kind of like an example of that? That's exactly what it is, because most people don't realize that there's more than one of you inside of you. And so, uh, you know, sometimes people realize uh, there's the fun side of me, and I go, I don't see the fun side of me that much. Well, when is the last time you let it out, you know? Um, There's the serious side of me. There's the subconscious part that wants, you know, to do whatever it's programmed to do. Uh, And I tell people, you know, you can prove that you have a subconscious mind. Uh, Did you think about brushing your teeth this morning? Did you, uh, sometimes people have driven places and they got there and didn't realize how they got there. Well, your subconscious mind was doing the driving. And that's what happens. We, we learn things as kids that uh, um, we, we then can carry out with us for the rest of our lives. And we've done it so many times, we don't have to consciously think about it. It just gets done. Well, a lot of these other programs that may have been, you know, something that was good for you in the past might not work for you in the, in the present. And that's why you want to reprogram that. So knowing what your programs are, because these are the other parts of you, the other kind of personalities within you um, that need feeding or need um, treatment, that's what you have to do. Once you realize, oh, I have that part of me that, A, maybe wants to play more, uh, because sometimes you get sabotaged at work because you don't play enough. Well, then that's one of your rewards. You get to play. Maybe you'll save it up to the weekend. I'll get to take Saturday off, and I get to play and do anything I want, or I get to go to the ball game, or I get whatever it might be. And then all of a sudden, that part of you is now focused and working with you the rest of the week. So, yeah, you have to understand that this multiple personality that you have, it's not a bad thing. It's just you have to coordinate it so that they all work together, and then amazing results happen. It kind of reminds me of the cartoon, the angel and the devil, you know, talking back and forth. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there kind of is that. Um, And so, in fact, the old adage is there's two dogs in in you and uh, a a bad dog and a good dog, and uh, which dog, you you know, wins is whichever one you feed the most. 
And so, yeah, you want to feed the good dog to get the better behaviors, and uh, and then you know, then the angel wins. Is there any? I know you go into prisons and work uh, with prisoners. Um, do you work with them any differently than you would with people on the outside? No. Uh, well, okay, a little bit. Um, for the most part, there really is no difference. Um, but I'll tell you the truth. Uh, one of the uh, one of the processes I do in the beginning of workshops is I do a process that demonstrates resistance because um, we all have it, and uh, it's it's oftentimes because it's pre-programmed. Like I said, it's something we, we, we came in with. Well, in a prison, they're taught exactly not to do that. Uh, they're actually punished if they do that. So I, I did have to actually, when I did the process, because I'm not going to spoil it in case someone comes to one of my workshops, but when I did the process, I actually had to whisper to the person I was doing it with, no, I, I want you to resist this. <laughs> so, But other than that, no, they were catching on um, the same way. And, and in fact, uh, a lot of people that I dealt with in there because it was maximum security. Actually, the largest, the last one I did was the largest women's prison in the world. And unfortunately, it's right here in California. And what's really sad is that there's one just like it across the street. So um, that, that just tells you what we have going on. But the the point is, I, I was doing the workshops, and there were some people that really would, were never going to you know, get out. And there were others that, that would. But they realized, in any case, their life was going to be better, whether they were in or out by learning this information. And uh, one of them um, that I did, I taught a, a process where I said, um, imagine someone gives you a gift and you don't accept it. Whose is it? So I'll ask you guys. So if I gave you a gift and you don't accept it, whose is it? Well, if I don't accept it, it's not mine. Yeah. Right, so whose is it? Yours. There, yeah, it's mine. So I I said to them, what if I'm offering you the gift of anger? And all of a sudden, light bulb goes off. And they're like, you mean if someone comes up to me and they're angry, I don't have to respond with anger? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, oh, my God, they never knew that was a choice. Like, yeah, you just let them keep their gift. And and so that that works for people on the outside, too. If someone comes up to you and wants to offer you that gift, you don't want to accept it, great. You just hand it back to them and say... That's yours. That's like taking you off of automatic pilot because uh, you are. Yeah, it is because so many people we don't we don't realize how many um, instant reactions that we we have within us until we get you know pushed and prodded in some way. Um, and so yeah, I tell people. And that's one of those other personality types that comes up. I know one personality type for uh, for this friend of mine comes up only when driving. They're just, they're just. In fact, I remember there was a great Disney cartoon with Goofy, and he was just a sweet, loving guy. He got behind the wheel, and he was like this, this horrendous, uh, you know, get out of my way kind of person. Um, and that was the same kind of personality that this person had. It's like they're just sweet. And- I work with what is commonly labeled as bipolar. And I sometimes I think people are labeled that when they're not actually not bipolar. But have you ever worked with people that have been labeled bipolar? I have. Um, the thing is, it really depends on how serious it is. Sometimes it is it's, it, it's really intense, and it actually needs um, some drug interaction to balance them out enough that we can then do the other work. Um, this work works for everybody, but um, 
when you're when you're in such an imbalance that also involves sometimes a chemical imbalance, um, we need to involve uh, like a psychiatrist, and uh, that way once we get that going, um, we we can then do this kind of work. Uh, so um, I, it's not my first specialty, and sometimes I do actually refer those people to uh, therapists that I know, um, but. Uh, but this work will work for everybody, will benefit. And what I tell people, there's tools in, in, the, in the book that I tell people to use. Even if you go to a therapist, take, like there's a, a process I call the soul letter. Take your soul letters to the therapist. It can save five years of therapy because they'll understand you that much faster. Plus, the, the, the soul letters themselves will help process the information within you faster. Well, what exactly is the soul letter? Oh, well... Um, well, since you brought it up, just joking. Um, okay. Uh, soul letter is actually in my chapter on forgiveness, and most people don't realize forgiveness is really one of the key things you can do to heal anything. And it's not about the other person at all. It's all about yourself. And so I developed this, this written, it's a guided written process that really, again, I try to simplify everything. It's literally just fill in the blanks. I give you a lead-in line, you just fill it in. And even if you don't feel all the emotions, I literally, I put them in, there's seven levels, and I, I put them in that where they're literally stacked exactly how they are in the, the written process. The one exception being sometimes on the first two steps, they're reversed for women, and that is uh, because the first um, uh, level is uh, about your upset, uh, and the second level is about, uh, you know, the... The, the other pain, the, 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 how um, you're, you're sad, uh, that kind of thing. So um, sometimes I have people change it up. Like if the first feeling you feel about some issue is you're sad about it because, for you know, especially in the United States and in other countries, um, women were taught not to show uh, anger because it wasn't ladylike. And therefore they would show sadness. They would cry even though they were really mad. Um, and so if that's the first level, then, then do that and then come to the next level, uh, which is the blame and upset section. Do that second. Uh, otherwise, if you're feeling the, the uh, anger right away, then great, just start from there and go down. And you go through the different process. Uh, there's seven different levels, and it gets better. But the point is, a lot of times people try to, try to heal this issue, whatever. And I tell people, pick a topic, an issue, or an event. Because... Um, I, you know, like I tell people, if you're, if you're upset with somebody, then you, you write them a soul letter. Well, I had this one woman who I was coaching and uh, gave her the assignment to write a soul letter. And the next week I talked with her. I said, how are you doing? She says, well, I'm on page 30. I go, wow, that's really long for a soul letter. She goes, I'm still in the first section. I go, I go you can't take out 30 years of upset in one, in one letter. <laughs> take an event or a topic, do that one, go back and do another one. So anyway... Uh, the concept is you want to express all these feelings because, and I, I know people that are saying, well, I don't want to, that's you know, not nice to do that. I go, trust me, your brain is doing it to you all the time. It's on your subconscious level. Sometimes you actually hear it in your head. It's going on every day. It's better to get it out because otherwise people do what I call a spiritual bypass. Where they just go, oh, no, no, I'll forgive them and I'll feel better and it would be good. And no, uh, you have to express that really let it out first. And so uh, by, by just filling in the, the blanks on these, you get to fully express all the different levels. And for men, a lot of times, they don't feel other than the anger. They don't feel anything. 
That's because that's what we're taught. And so oftentimes when they do these, they're surprised by what comes up that they didn't realize was inside of them. Again, those other personalities are holding this stuff in. The good news is by the time you get to the end is you're feeling in a very balanced and loving way. Um, And I tell people I write more of these to me than to anybody else because no one is as upset with you as you. So write these to anybody else you you hold uh, something against, but also write them to yourself because you're going to love yourself more when you're done. And I've had people who are just uh, really crying upset, and by the time they get done, they were actually laughing and giggling. And it's because, yeah, that's how the joy that you feel when you get back to that balanced person that, that you really are inside of yourself and let go of that, that negativity that you've been holding on because uh, holding on to the negativity is like when you grab a hot coal to throw at somebody, who's getting burned? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Oh, you know, I was thinking, wow, this must be fantastic um, to work with children with this. Yeah, you know, in fact, um, there's a, I shot a little video uh, of me working with a child doing a soul letter. And actually, they were so young, I had to walk them through it by giving, giving not, I didn't give them the lead in line to finish it. I finished it for them, anticipating what I felt their thoughts were about the issue. And so um, I'm pretty sure you can find that on uh, um, getunstuckforkids.com. Uh, there's a little video there. So um, the, uh, uh, it'll, it'll actually walk the kid through the whole thing. I went through, in fact, it only took like a minute because children, they don't have the emotional you know, baggage that we do, and they can get over it in one, two, three, and once they're done with it, they're back to how they were just a minute ago. And, uh, and so... Um, it's, it's only after years of building this stuff up that we become, you know, uh, full of, of the baggage and full of the things. And this is another really important thing. Uh-oh. No, no, I'm still here. I paused for a <laughs> okay. second. Um, and, and here's what it is. Um, there's an interesting, interesting dynamic I call charging. And basically imagine that we're all little batteries. Because I told you, we're all energy, right? Well, we actually are like little batteries, and we all have, have charge in our battery. And the, the charge I'm talking about right now are our emotional upsets. So I call that a negative charge. And so, um, you know, we're going around. Let's say that the average person has a negative four charge. So then somebody else comes along in their life and does something which uh, uh, gives them another let's say, negative four charge. And so that gets added to the negative four that was already there, and now they have a negative eight charge that they respond with to that person. And the person who did that thing realizes that they were wrong, but also realizes they're getting more charge than they triggered, uh, than they they thought, you know, that they deserved. And they're right. But the person who's giving the eight charge feels all eight, so doesn't think that there's anything wrong because I feel this and therefore you deserve this. And that's what causes so many problems in relationships is because there's this unbalance going on back and forth, and, and when you're in a relationship, those charges are connected. And if one person doesn't express it, it gets pushed over to the other person. So one person might seem to be crazy, always complaining and yelling, and the other person is just quiet as a mouse, but the reality is, the person who's yelling is actually expressing the feelings and the emotions that are not expressed by the person who's quiet as a mouse. So 
understanding that dynamic, and I usually take more than an hour to explain it, so I just gave you the super reader guidance version, but just understanding that that happens will all of a sudden make things make so much sense, like, oh, my God, that's why. That's why I got triggered by that, and that's why this happened, and that's why they yelled at me, uh, you know. So, uh, but there's a whole lot more to go with it. But understanding that dynamic, all of a sudden, you want to make some of this work happen, and that's what the soul is for. It gets rid of that negative charge, so therefore they can give you that and then go on. And that's another thing. Earlier you asked me, what if someone else doesn't want to make the changes? Well, you do your soul letters, and because your, your pipes are connected, that energy is transformed back and forth, and, and let's say your total energy, you each had a negative four, you just did your negative four, got rid of it. Now you only have a negative two, each one of you, because you're connected. So theirs actually went down, and therefore life will go better for them too. So you're saying soul, S-O-U-L letters, is that right? Yes, I am. Okay. And your website is getunstuck.com? Yes. And is that where you find the video, too? Um, that video is in my membership area, which has, okay. by the way, it's got 10 years of my work on there, uh, and I keep adding more uh, all the time. So it, And people can join for free. There's different varieties of, of uh, memberships, but they can join for free and get a little sampling. But there's articles, there's videos, there's uh, radio shows, there's teleseminars, there's webinars, uh, tons of stuff. So people who really want to find out, and I've, I've interviewed people like um, uh, Debbie Ford, who unfortunately recently passed away. I have her a couple times, and uh, Marianne Williamson, and Jack Canfield, and uh, Dan Millman, and Neil Donald Walsh, and you know, all these other people who are in this, this field and, and offer great wisdom um, because my, my thought is just like yours. I want to share as much of this as possible to really help change the world, and that's what I'm hoping that people will find. Well, it seems like you can really go into deep levels with your work, so it's yeah. really important to be out there. Well, you know, for me, I kind of I, I look at, okay, we have we have a whole new generation that's coming up, and how wonderful it would be to be able to have them clear and being able to work fully uh, alive and working with children. Do you have workshops that you do this with children, um, John? Yeah, and uh, I'm actually working on another book right now. So I, I, I'm doing uh, uh, some corporate speaking, but uh, the other workshops will begin again uh, in the fall. Um, but if someone called up and said, I've got a school full of kids that need this help, you know, we'll, we'll arrange something. Um, but, yeah, I've done it, like I said, with uh, kids as young as six and, um, uh, and kids as young as uh, 93. So, <laughs> Well, I would imagine that children that have parents going through a divorce, um, this work would really help that area. It really does because here's the thing. Uh, I told you about the, the battery thing. Well, here's what happens. Um, sometimes when you have two batteries, uh, and they're called mom and dad, and they both end up pushing their charges down because they're, they're trying to put on a show that they're not having a problem, but they both won't talk to each other. Well, then there's little batteries that are connected in line as well, and guess what? All that negative energy gets passed right along. And then a lot of times you have kids that are acting out and everything. Well, guess what? If they're acting out, the unexpressed emotions of the adults, so if the adults would do their work, the kids wouldn't have to do that. And if the kids at least, 
dump that energy because, again, sometimes it's not even theirs. I, I found when I did some work originally uh, when I was going through my process, I had negative emotional energy from my mom toward my dad from when I was six years old that I'd carried my whole life. And I got rid of that. And therefore, and, and how I did it is I wrote a soul letter from my mom to my dad. And I knew everything to say because I had been, that energy got pushed into me. So amazingly enough, I was able to express it all and, and let it go. And, and these soul layers, they're never to be transferred to the other person. They're never to be sent to anybody. That gives you the complete freedom to say anything you want and really get rid of those emotions. Sometimes we're just too polite if we actually know that someone's going to read it or whatever. And this way you don't have to. You can burn it when you're done. And therefore have the complete freedom to share anything that you have to say, any feeling you have, no matter what it is, you can share it and then burn it and get rid of it once and for all. Well, I have a really... I was going to say, I have a really good example. Uh, I know this lady who has a daughter that's a teenager, and she was saying, my teenager seems to de- be depressed. I, I'm, you know, a little bit concerned about about her. But then the mother found out that she was depressed because she uh, didn't get enough time to herself. So she started working on giving herself more time and uh, uplifting her own spirits. And... The uh, what happened was her daughter also got better as she did. So it was like, yeah. wow, we're so connected. We really are, and and it's our responsibility as the adults to do this work so that we don't pass it on to our kids. Because I I really believe that it can get passed on literally genetically because we didn't deal with that issue. It can get into our chromosomes and passed on. And so the good news is, if you do this work, it doesn't get passed on. And therefore, you know what they call disease, right? Well, that's dis-ease. And they've already shown that there's a direct physical connection to emotions. And so if you deal with these emotions, your body can heal itself and therefore so can your chromosomes and therefore not pass on something to another generation. Well, you know, and the other thing is, too, I can imagine that this would really help an aspect as far as you know, billions of people have all this stress. They also have medical problems that might be exacerbated with, you know, this kind of thing that that no one can release. And that, um, you know, it would be a big healing process in the health aspect as well. It really is. I mean, this has so much to do with your body that most people don't don't understand it. And I've watched it. I've, I've done studies on it. I can show you the proof that, um, you know, the reason all diets don't work is because they don't deal with emotional stuff because you're, you're eating because of this emotional stuff, whether you consciously know it or not. And therefore, if you stop the eating, well, then all these emotions will come bubbling up. If you don't deal with them, you're going to end up eating again. So you might do it temporarily and get past it, but then after a while, these things become overwhelming and what happens? There goes the donuts. Um, another thing is, and this is really amazing, but it's actually true, and you can think about it and you'll, you'll realize it's true. I've watched it in a two-year course that I did where we were working with people for two straight years, and we did all this emotional stuff for the two-year program, and I, I, we saw people got better looking. I know that sounds really, you know, kind of shallow, but I am in California. But, uh, <laughs> but the reality is they got better looking because all those negative emotions were no longer in their body, and therefore their natural glow came up. Their, their smiles, their, their, I mean, physically, they, they looked younger. Um, and really, 
that's the that's one of the benefits. I want to tell that to people because sometimes they won't do it for another reason, but they'll do it if they'll look younger. And like, yeah, this actually does help you look younger and lose weight. And I get people like, oh, okay, well, that's all you got to tell me. What do I have to do? <laughs> <laughs> Next. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would imagine in a weight program that this would be marvelous work to have it go along with a weight program because the weight would be your goal and uh, setting yeah. small goals and then, yeah, it would be perfect. Well, also, uh, I actually did a weight program uh, for eight weeks uh, where we had a trainer, we had 12 of us, and I made sure everybody had my book and we all did the emotional stuff at the same time and we got amazing results. I'll tell you the truth, here's what I got because I'm not perfect either. I lost 44 pounds of body fat in eight weeks. In fact, wow. I lost 44 pounds, gained 22 pounds of muscle, and lost 22 inches. And it and stayed off. And the, reason, the reason is because we did, this, you know, and actually this is only like exercising a half hour a day for like six days a week and just eating pretty basic stuff, nothing fancy, nothing particularly restrictive at all. And uh, And the exercise was not, it was like, 10, 12 minutes maybe of some cardio and some weight resistance and some sit-ups, and that's it. Um, and and so the really cool stuff was that we did this other work. We dumped the emotions at the same time, and all of a sudden, the result, and I, I was not the only one. Everybody got great results like that. Well, how much That would be fun to, to start a group and use your book. That would be wonderful. Oh, yeah. Exactly. You get unstuck workout. I should have that out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Okay, so your let's let people know your website is getunstuck.com, and uh, you you know go to the website. It's really a wonderful website to to maneuver around and be able to see. And and your book is Get Unstuck, and there's a workbook workbook that goes along with it, and uh, you can have fun. <laughs> You're writing yeah, become old a member. Yeah, and, yeah, and look, and look younger, look younger, and lose weight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we should do a before and after picture here. <laughs> there you go. Of getting unstuck. Yeah, Aww. I like, I like that. In fact, I, I should do that for the next workshop. We'll do, we'll take before pictures. We'll do some work, and usually it's hard to see in just a weekend, but over a period, it absolutely does show up. And and here's another good benefit. Of course, I get people out of the jobs that they hated, out of the relationships they hated, or I create better ones. Uh, sometimes they haven't left the job, but they have a much better relationship at the job, or they have a much better connection with the people that they're in a relationship with. Um, this is all the important stuff. And um, and by the way, for the people listening to your show, um, I will offer a, a special deal. If they want to write me, they can email me, john at getunstuck.com, and I will give them a free consultation so that they can uh, uh, see if there's something that I might be able to offer them that can help change your life for the better. Oh, wow, that's wonderful. You know, this is, I was just thinking, my goodness, can you imagine having a workshop and then you do all this work in it, you take photographs, and then you come back a year later <laughs> and um, and re, um, recap what you've been doing and what you've done and how you look and uh, or or even six months, you know. It sounds like a really wonderful way to go. And actually, I, I guess you could run your own workshops. You could just get the book of as many people as wanted it, and then uh, in a group and work through it and then um, and do your own uh, rescheduling. Sounds wonderful, huh? Yeah, we have that. In fact, uh, I've got a coach in Australia that orders cases of my books 
and does the workshops down there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, and then I I spoke with you at Gate just briefly, and you have a new book coming out, and we look forward to having you back for the the re the birth of this new uh, one, and it's also awesome. John, thank you. Uh, it's been wonderful having you with us this morning. I enjoyed thank it. So much. I, I, I hope that uh, your listeners get something out of this, and uh, and that uh, we'll we'll take. I'll, I'll hold you to taking those pictures, and we'll we'll talk to you in a year after you've read the book. <laughs> okay, <laughs> sounds good. <laughs> All right. Okay. Thank you, John. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.